Jesus is actually having a conversation with His disciples, and the people who are around His disciples, which are the Pharisees and Sadducees, and all those weird names that sound almost X-rated, Pharisees and Sadducees, I don't know. Um, There are people listening to Him, but He is actually uh, uh, in a discourse, in a speech, in a sermon, and He's really giving it to people. This is not one of those speeches or sermons of Jesus that He's going to bring you home and, and going to make you feel fuzzy and warm. Actually, it is one of His strongest, uh, some would say very straightforward messages about the gospel and how Jesus Himself weaves it into the gospel, this demand and the gospel. He's talking about heaven and hell. I said the word in the Presbyterian church, heaven and hell, and he's talking about what's going to happen. But I don't want you to focus on the fire experience. Don't focus, Angelique, on the, what's going to happen after the, you know, heaven or hell. Focus on what's happening here amongst us and what is Jesus asking us to do and think while we're here on earth. Who's got the power? Thank you. That's the clicker. Listen to and for the word of the Lord as Jesus continues to give it to them. And he's using very strong words. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. For I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and fed you? or thirsty and gave you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will return to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. For I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. For I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and not helped you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. The word of the Lord. 
at the University of South Florida, where I got my first bachelor's degree, I, I was kicked out of that university, by the way, uh, nicely, politely. Uh, but I, yeah, Dr. Nisman, my advisor, told me, uh-uh, no more classes here. You're going to graduate and get out of here. I was required to have 120 credits for my bachelor's degree. I had 190. He says, you're going to go out and live. <laughs> I had kind of made college my lifestyle, and I loved it. <laughs> I was happy doing that. But they kicked me out. However, in a class, the first day of class, our professor introduced himself and challenged us to go and meet somebody that we did not already know. That's where I got that idea to bring it here, okay? So I stood up and looked around, and a, and a gentle hand touched me from behind, and when I looked back, I saw a little wrinkled lady, very old, to be in class, beaming up at me with a smile that lit up her entire face and being, and she said, hi, handsome. <laughs> My name is Rose. I'm 86 years old, and um, can I give you a hug? And boy, they should give me a hug. That little lady just hugged me and just kept in there until she squeezed. I laughed in response, of course you may. And then I asked her, why are you doing in college? And she said, well, I'm here to find me a rich husband, get married, have two kids, retire, and then go off to travel. And I said, no, seriously, I asked. And Rose replied, I always dreamed of having a college education, and I'm getting one now. My husband was in the big war, Second World War. I took care of him all the way till the end. Took care of my kids, they're doing good. So now it's my turn. After class, Rose and I went off to the student union and had a chocolate shake. We had an affinity right there, chocolate. Every day, you know, we, I went to that class on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we would walk out of class with Rose at her pace, go to the student union and have our chocolate shake. By that time, many students have joined us and we're friends with Rose. The year went by and Rose actually graduated. Uh, she was ahead of me in, in credits and class. And remember, I was refusing to graduate, so I let her go ahead and graduate. And we were in her graduation and we celebrated. Two weeks after her graduation, Rose died in her sleep. Her family was flabbergasted at the funeral home that over 2,000 students from USF had shown up to this old lady's funeral. She had a choice. She could have stayed in her mandatory senior capacity of weighing out the diseases sharing with friends overnight how bad was the night and how much pain was where, discussing medications and long-term wait in hospital rooms, discussing procedures and just basically living the age. But Rose decided to finish her degree. She did not only finish it, but Rose also stepped out of her own little world. And over 2,000 students were impacted by Rose's life that year and a half at USF. I had the privilege that she was my friend, and I knew the ends of Rose. 
Ooh, she had a nasty hubby. <laughs> but she was faithful to him and kept him. You see, uh, we live in our own little world. We construct our own little world. Uh, it happens. We don't do it intentionally. It just kind of happens. If you have a child and you're beginning a family, that baby is going to demand 110% of your time. Right? And what tends to happen is that you bubble yourself in that child's life. And you limit your social activity. You limit everything depending on that child's life. However, that child grows up. And as we know, mom... When the child grows up, he now has social needs. So now the little bubble has to be busted because now we have to have play dates. You see? So the little world that was constructed in those first eight to nine months of the life, eventually by 18 months, we got to get out of that little world because this kid needs socialization. This kid's so it happens naturally to many of us. That's one example. I created my own little world for sake of sanity when I moved to Georgia. <laughs> and, and you know, it was okay. You come to the, I, I remember the first day I came to the office here. The three amigos. Remember the three amigos? Who were they? Let me see if you remember their names. Son, Sonny, yeah. But that one, the, the, uh, um, James was added to that one. Whitey James. Hey, they were up there when I first came, the first day in the office. And they were here before 10 o'clock. <laughs> How fool. <laughs> they were here. I don't know if Boozer was here or not. Maybe. But I walked in through the door, and all three or four of them were like this. <laughs> and Whitey James said, sir, are you going to keep bankers hours? Now, remember, my mom was a banker, so I knew that, but I played it dumb. So I, I said, what are those? Ten to two. What are my office hours, church? Ten to two. So I said, thank you. Those will be my office hours. <laughs> I was creating my pattern. I was creating a routine to live and be productive in a totally new, not only social, cultural, but even physical environment. Came from the tropics. Get used to the template seasons. So I had to create my own little world. And it was okay while I was creating it. But it got to a point that I realized that my own little world was not helping me. Was not helping me personally. Was not helping me professionally. Was not helping me physically. So I started doing something else. And last July, I stepped out of my own little world, and I began to meet sinners. Evildoers. People who have their mind in the gutter. We got along. <laughs> Is this being recorded? Yes. We got along. And we started to meet each other and to know each other. And to learn a little bit about their weird world. Which is not my world in any way, shape, or form. But as long as I insisted in knowing their little world with respect... They would then step forward and get to know my little world or my bigger world with respect. I think you saw a couple of them. They were playing the trumpet and the flute. Some of those weirdos were here. And they've sat amongst you. 
But because I decided to step out of my own little religious world, which we all have a churchy world, tell me, Miss Larson, don't we have a churchy world? Don't we have a churchy world? And most of the people that we know and we relate to are church-oriented. Most of us do. You got to have one. <laughs> you see? But is that what it's all about? To be in this cocoon of our own little world, whether it is a happy world, whether it is a miserable world, no matter what kind of world it is that we create for ourselves, the Lord is asking us this month to step out of our own little world. If you look in your worship guide, there is a song towards the back, and I wrote the lyrics there. I, I encourage you to go look at it at home. I like that little thing that says, I live in my own little world. It's okay. They know me there. <laughs> and sometimes our own little world, we make it plural. So we invite, and this one I use a lot, me, myself, and I, all of us are happy. Don't bother us. But notice the direction. It's me, myself, and I. So Matthew West, back in the 90s, I think this was, he wrote this song called My Own Little World. And in my own little world... It hardly rain, ever rains. I never gone hungry or always felt safe. I got some money in my pocket, shoes on my feet. In my own little world, population, me. Wow. Is that what we live for? To create our own little world and live in that bubble, live in that box, live in that construct? Because Jesus' entire argument with the people that he was talking with and about was the idea of stepping out of your own little world. He was talking to the religious people who were so churchy that anybody who wasn't churchy, meaning that anybody who didn't keep the Sabbath, anybody who didn't dress like they did, and anybody who didn't keep their diet was not part of their friends. They could not be part of their friends. He was talking to disciples who were from a variety of backgrounds. All of them sinners, by the way. All of them, most of them were not, you know, they were business people, but some of them were, you know, doing business illegally with the Romans. Matthew, one of them. And yet they are required to step out of that comfort world. What are we to do? So Matthew West just asked the questions in the refrain. What if there's a bigger picture? What if there's a bigger picture than just the one I have? What if there's a movie running that's not my own movie, and I'm just part of it, and I have missed my part in that movie? He also asked the question, what if I'm missing out? What if I'm missing out on the joyous experiences of, of being in the adventure with God, with God's people, with God's Spirit as I step out of my own comfort world, as I step out of my routine, as I step out to connect with people? Not just to get out. That's not the point. The point is to step out of our own little world and touch lives with the light that God has given you. Is your light dim? Because perhaps you don't feel too connected with God? Well, guess what? You still have it in you. The light is there. Or is it about just creating our world, our finances, our security box.
and remain there? What if there's a greater purpose for my life than just going to the doctor, than just, well, step out of the world? I have a friend here in church, and, and she has lost a lot of her closest friends. And not long ago, she lost like four in a week or so. That's you. My friend Georgia. She lost a lot of friends very suddenly. And she was sad, and she remembers that with sadness. Sarah Washington was one of hers, her best friends. But guess what? Look over there. Look at those faces. Look at those faces. This is a new face. Look at those. Look way over there in the far edge. Can you see those faces? If you can't, they're smiling. There's no friends. There's no friends. And God provides for us to, to be able to have new friends as we step out of the old box. So let's do that this coming year. Let me encourage you to step out of the old box because it's just not what God wants for us. It's just not really what we're called to. In our own little world, we don't see others. We serve our own needs. We don't see abundance. We don't see what God's blessing. In our own little world, we don't see needs. We see our rights and our opinions. In our own little world, we don't hear the pain, but we blame them for their own pain. We don't see our participation, and we also don't get involved in our own little bubble. In my own little world, we don't hear cries. We ignore it. We justify it. We just walk away. In our own little world, the shadows attempt against the light. In my own little world, the light could be hidden. Let me ask you, what if there's a bigger picture? What if I'm missing out on what really matters in life? What if there's a greater purpose? Then we all could be living together right now. For I was hungry, and you fed me. For I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in to your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me.